Hello everyone, my name is Damien, this is the Mindful Bipolar Podcast. It is January 16th, 2019, and this episode is going to be about hypomania and mania uh, episodes uh, of that you have with, with bipolar disorder. Uh, I'll probably talk a little bit about depression, but I guess the focus will be on the hypomania and mania, because... You know, Hypo, hypomania is 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 a, such a great feeling, you know. I I I have to say that when I am feeling hypomanic, it is better than any drug I've ever used. Uh, mania too is better, but at least at least at first. But mania, the psychosis and the craziness that happens uh, in in mania is is. You know it's uncontrollable, and it always results in in bad things, um, including you know switching back to a a crippling depression, which almost always happens after being mag. I mean, you don't go back to your baseline when you're when you're in true mania. You fall into a fall into a horrible uh, depression. Sometimes suicidal ideations. You know, not getting out of bed and not being able to do anything uh, in your daily life. Uh, so, you know, in this podcast, I've I've talked about uh, that I'm that I'm I am episode free for almost a year and a half now. Five more days, it will be a year and a half. You know, um, a short duration of a depression a few months ago, but I came out of that because. I talked to my doc pretty quickly, and uh, you know, I, I started to do things differently. And in the past, I never wanted to do things differently. I just felt like that I would always be manic, and I would always be depressed, and there was nothing I can do about it. I'd have the moods, and my life would continue to not be that good at all. I, I just. I was resigned to living a shitty life and and not being happy. I mean, happy at times, you know, when I'm hypomanic and manic, very happy, but that's maybe, I don't know, 10% of the time, 20% of the time. Not a good thing. Um, You know, but before, you know, this period of being episode-free, I had many, many episodes, both mania and depression um, and, uh, and, you know, some of them is kind of, I will tell you some stories that, you know, some of it's kind of amusing, I guess, but the end result was never amusing. And like I said, my life was, was really not good. Um, but I know that, you know, this 18 months can continue. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, in the past, I never believed, I never believed that I could have the kind of life I'm having now. I didn't. My life is pretty darn good. I mean, I'm still looking for a job, but I have a podcast, I have a website, I do. I write every day, I am in constant communication with my daughters, I have a girlfriend that I love dearly and who who helps me through my feelings and my moods and... Um, and I'm getting along with my parents. Um, 
I'm, you know, I'm exercising almost every day, and I meditate every day, and I'm just, I'm in a good place, and I know it can continue. Uh, I feel like I'm just getting started. You know, I honestly, I feel like I'm reborn. Like, this is a new life, a second chance at life that I never thought was possible. So, you know, if if some of you out there listening are wondering if you're hypomanic or manic or what, what constitutes that episode, you know, hypomania is, you know, you, you are, you're having a lack of sleep, uh, pretty consistently. If you're not up all night for several nights, it's two, three hours of sleep for several nights. Um, you have more energy, you're more active, you're super busy, like, you have plans, you have all these things that you want to do, like, each day, like, you can't, you know, you can't possibly actually do, but if you had a, if you would write a written list of things that you wanted to do each day when you're hypomanic or manic, it would be a pretty lengthy list. Um, things you would actually cross off, not as many. You know, drugs definitely, definitely will uh, induce uh, hypomania or mania and, and depression, um, if you are prescribed meds that you aren't taking, if the meds are working or you're still trying to figure out which ones are the right meds, you know, I, I, I firmly believe that taking the meds is the best bet for you to avoid having uh, a manic episode or a depressive episode and finding the right meds and the right doses is very key, you know, to be in constant contact with your psychiatrist or your doctor, letting them know how you feel, letting them know how you feel with the meds, when you take the meds, uh, you know, just being honest and, and talking about your drug use or your alcohol use, both uh, play a role in, um, in episodes. So, uh, you know, if you're interested in, uh, seeing a bipolar manic episode, I uploaded a YouTube video a few years ago. Uh, you just search on real bipolar manic episode, and I believe it's the fourth video that comes up after that search. Uh, the name of the account is Mangum Head, after Jeff Mangum, one of my favorite singers from Neutral Milk Hotel. And it's a video I took of I was in the car with my mother, and I believe she was driving me to the psych ward, and I had my phone out videoing it, and I'm singing and telling jokes and playing with the camera, and, you know, I didn't, you know, I am sure that during that episode, which was, uh, I think, nine or ten years ago, I didn't think I was manic. I, I liked the feeling. I... I didn't think there's anything wrong with me, and and that's typical. You don't think anything is wrong with you until the bad shit happens. So yeah, definitely. Uh, it's it's short. I mean, it's seven or eight minutes. I think it's on YouTube. It's called and just search for real bipolar manic episode. Um, a story I will relate to you. I. Uh, an, a manic episode uh, story. I was uh, going to see my 
sister and my niece and my brother-in-law in Dallas took a, a plane flight there with my parents. And I guess I was hypomanic, yes, definitely leading up to it, because I was staying in staying in a motel for a couple weeks, uh, not really taking my meds, or at the time, I was taking Adderall more than what I was prescribed and buying it off the street because I had run out of my prescription before the the refill could be done. So by the time I got to Dallas, I was, you know, really ramping up and getting manic. I was not sleeping very much, again, like two, three hours a night. I was playing video games with my niece, you know, for hours, just loving it, uh, Blasting my music. Uh, I was smoking weed at the time, pretty much every day. Um, it wasn't the weed wasn't calming me down. I, I felt like more energized when I would smoke weed. And at night, I would I would leave her house and I'd go wander the streets of the city. Just I, I don't even know what I was looking for, just to see what was going on. Probably to see what I could maybe buy drug wise or. I wasn't really uh, drinking that much. It was it was weed and, and Adderall. Um, and, you know, when I was there, the night before I left, I actually recorded a, another YouTube video. It's me at, like, 3 in the morning outside their house, in the dark, no shirt, um, singing, leaving on a jet plane. And you can find that on YouTube. Uh, the name of the account is Mangum Head. Um, yeah, it was, again, it's kind of amusing, uh, you know, whatever. Um, you know, I, and the other thing I would do when I was in Dallas, being manic, I'd walk around my laptop. I didn't have a car, of course, after taking a plane. I'd walk around to restaurants and bars and sit down and start drinking. I guess, I, okay, so, yes, I was drinking. Uh, pretty much, uh, and I would, I would try to find get a uh, a contract to do a website for them because at the time I was doing a, a little bit of website work and just talking to people and making friends and taking numbers and you know giving them demos of stuff that I could potentially do, which I never did any of it. I was drinking and high, and Adderall is you know a precursor to. Adderall abuse was definitely a precursor to the mania, you know, and I just remember being in the plane, you know, coming home, and, like, I, I was so mad, I felt like I was a million fucking miles up in the air, I, like, in an, in another stratosphere, and it, I, I was enjoying it, but, uh, you know, it didn't last, um, and, you know, another thing I did when I was in Dallas, I had printed out all these pages, uh, pages of books and notes and things like hundreds upon hundreds of pages. I went through several ink cartridges uh, at my on my sister's printer. I kept saying, sis, I, I need another uh, ink cartridge. I have to print more out. So I had like all the like probably almost a thousand pages of stuff, you know, all with uh fasteners and all that stuff, clips, and I get to the airport, and 
I, I couldn't fit it in my bag, and I wasn't, I was too big, <laughs> it was like, to carry on, so I had to dump it in a, in a garbage can at the airport, I, and I, I lost all this stuff, I don't even know, I don't remember what it was, but at the time, I thought it was so important, and I was like, you know, whatever, okay, get on the plane, another stratosphere, and I was, I was sitting with my brother-in-law a couple of times, and uh, we were talking about creating these apps for all this crazy stuff. Of course, yes, yes, Ron, I can, I can create that app. I can do that. I, I bought books and I took notes and, uh, and I realized, well, to do them, I needed to buy a MacBook and learn iOS, blah, blah, blah. So when I got home from Dallas, I bought a MacBook for $1,400 and never used it for that, but it was a, I will say the MacBook is a, is a great purchase I've made, I, I don't know what I'd do without it, it's so, such a better computer than a PC, you know, but I got back from Dallas, and I, I didn't have enough, I had no money left, I didn't have money, I didn't even have money to get food when I left the airport, so I went to an ex-girlfriend's house, and stayed with her, we were fighting and arguing the week's months prior to me leaving for Dallas, but, so I was staying with her, and I was, you know, I, her, one of her relation had got me some more drugs, and I was getting the Adderall, and smoking weed, and taking pills, Percocets, and Vicodin, and drinking, and the one day she left for work, and I, I couldn't, I left her house to go meet up with the, the drug dealer, and when I came back, I didn't have the key, I locked the door, so I had to break into her apartment. I got in there. I called the police to tell them someone had broken into my girlfriend's apartment. I didn't know what happened. Things were missing. I All my stuff I put in a toy chest. And I, I wrecked her daughter's room. So it looked like someone had been there. And the police came. And they questioned me. She came home from work. They questioned her. And I... I don't. I wasn't really privy to the whole conversation going on. But I was outside smoking, and I got back in the apartment. The cops are like, "You, you've got to leave. You have five minutes to get your bag together, and leave." And I was like, "What? Okay, you know." So I <laughs> opened the toy chest, got my my PlayStation out, and all my other stuff out of the toy chest, which I said had been stolen. And I made my way back to the uh, the motel that I had been staying at. Crazy, crazy times, crazy, crazy times, uh, you know, ultimately, um, after that manic episode, I fell into a horrible, crippling depression, uh, I ran out of money, again, I, I don't even remember where I was getting the money, I, I, you know, I'd get disability, if I was even getting those checks, but... You know, it was just uh, not a good time. I oh, I I, I remember I, I I was still I'm staying at the motel and I I met uh, this guy who said he was a priest, Father John, and I thought he was. He asked me to take him to Walmart and we were talking. And he had prescription or or maybe not prescription uh, Percocets he needed for pain supposedly, but he told me all these stories and I believed him and. I took him to my parents' house so they could meet him. I actually took him to my aunt and uncle's house one time because I was trying to scam uh, Adderall off my uncle. And the priest blessed my uncle and, and did some kind of religious thing. 
you know, found out later he had been defrocked and wasn't actually a priest anymore. I don't know the actual reason, but again, I was so mad. And these are crazy freaking times that I was going through. And I just, you know, like that was my life. I mean, and there were several others, you know, that I'm not going (laughs) to, I'm not going to even get to, but, um, I guess, you know, another one, this is a, oh God, another episode. Uh, I was, I had moved out of where I'd been living and, uh, to be close, ostensibly to be closer to my daughters with another, uh, ex-girlfriend. She had gone, just gotten home from rehab after being away for a year. I convinced her to move with me to this apartment, this townhouse that we rented. And, um... I ended up uh, starting to smoke crack and snort cocaine pretty heavily. I, at the time, I had a job, a part-time job, making a little bit of money, but the crack use, you know, uh, any stimulants, like I said, Adderall or cocaine or anything like that, oh, my God, yes. If you're a bipolar, it's going to push you up into mania, and I was manic for months with the ex-girlfriend and eventually again I lost my job because I went to the guy's house who I was working for and I'm like hey, we, we'd smoke weed you know every now and then but I'm like ah, I got some crack he's like no I don't smoke crack I'm like oh, I'm gonna go in your bathroom I went to the bathroom was smoking the crack in his bathroom I got out and you know we did our our our, our work and but then that was the end of the job he didn't want me around and I don't blame him. Uh, I got to a point where I ran out of money. I owed the drug dealer, I don't know, like $600. So I sold my car so that I had money to pay for my crack addiction. Yes. And I, after that, I didn't have a car for many years. Um, yeah, that was, that was crazy. So, uh... You know, what what I've learned, what I can hopefully help you with, uh, if you're experiencing mania or hypomania, depression, and what I've done to prevent those episodes from happening again for the past year and a half, um, it started with being honest with myself before anyone else, like, I had to come to terms with who I was, and what I was doing, and what I needed to do if I hoped to change my life, and I, I was, you know, just honest with myself, you know, it took, it took a while, you know, you could say years and years and years, but when I made the effort, I, you know, it took a little bit of time, and I, I started to be honest with myself, and what I wanted out of life, and what made me happy, and what I could do for my daughters, because I was not being a very good father. And then I, I also became honest with my psychiatrist. I told him that I was an addict, that I couldn't take Adderall uh, as prescribed. I couldn't take Clonopin as prescribed, or, or Ativan, anything that's addictive. I just, it was like candy, if it was never enough, and if I ran out and I couldn't find any on the street, I went to street drugs, like, I guess it's like Percocet or or Adderall or uh, or cocaine or, or crack. Uh, you know, so being honest with my psychiatrist, 
that has helped me so much because he knows that my moods aren't being influenced or affected by drugs or how, or I also tell him how much I'm drinking and that, that also affects your moods and him knowing that, that I'm being honest, you know, he can better, uh, prescribe the right meds and the right doses for me. And that has happened, you know, for the past year and a half and I've been episode free, you know, and I take my meds every day. Every day I have a pill case. Uh, I never wanted a pill case. Years ago I just would keep them in bottles and take them if I remembered or I wanted to. But having them in a pill case with the days marked and seeing them in there and knowing I needed to take them if I forgot to take them later in the day, each morning and each night opening the little uh, door of the pill case and getting them and taking them, that is a big thing, you know, when you know, when you find the right meds and the right doses. I was, I was actually sober for, uh, I don't know, four or five months last year. And, you know, I'm, I am an alcoholic and being sober, you know, I was able to find other things in my life that were important to me that I enjoyed that took the place of the drinking for me. And, when I started to drink again months later, I was not drinking nearly as much. I wanted to continue doing the good things that I had found, such as exercising and meditating and writing and being in communication with my daughters. All four of those things, you know, they weren't happening if I was drinking heavily or, or using drugs, and especially if my moods would go too high or too low, um, I'm, you know, I'm clean, uh, from street drugs and addictive prescription meds for a year and a half, I did, uh, smoke weed once in that time, and, I mean, I liked it, but, you know, I just, again, same with the drinking, I, I don't, I can't go back to that, I can't, I mean, I could, but I don't want to, I like my life, I, really like my life, and I don't want to go back to the the horrible life, and the difficult life, and challenging, and upsetting, and depressing, and sad life that I had before. You know, another thing that I highly recommend, and you will read about this anywhere you, you research or look, is getting a good night's sleep consistently, you know, every night. You know, all it takes for me is one night of, of being, of not sleeping or a few nights of sleeping very little and I'm on my way to hypomania, if not in hypomania. And, um, so sleep is, you know, is key. Like getting a good night's sleep will help, definitely help prevent those mood swings. Um, I take trazodone at night and melatonin. To help me fall asleep, both are great. Uh, they've helped me so much. The melatonin is three milligrams over the counter, and uh, the trazodone is not addictive. It's a sleeping pill. I think originally it was prescribed for depression, but they now give it to help you sleep. I was taking one hundred fifty milligrams of that, and then three hundred, but I found a comfort zone. I guess you could say with two hundred and twenty-five milligrams. So. Both of those pills, you know, 
more often than not help me fall asleep fairly easily and I get a good night's sleep. Um, but, you know, again, talk to your doc about what's right for you. If you're if you're not an addict, you know, Clonopin, I know, helps a lot of people fall asleep. My sister takes that. Other people I know take Ativans to help them sleep. So, you know, you find the right pill and the right dose. Um, you know, and meditation also... It was a big, big thing helping, helping. I believe helping prevent uh, the mood episodes for me. I meditate every morning, uh, you know, for about fifteen minutes, and uh, you know, really, I talked about it in the past episode, so I won't go into it. But it definitely helps. And exercise is a big, big thing. My moods are better for the rest of the day after I exercise. I either go for long brisk walks, weather permitting, or I, uh, I get on the treadmill for 20, 25 minutes, and my days are better, I'm thinking more clearly, and I'm, I'm more able to do the things that I want to do, um, so again, you know, if anyone would like to communicate with me, uh, any questions or anything you want to talk about, I am available via email at 6six.steelstrings, S-T-E-E-L strings, at gmail.com, 6.steelstrings at gmail.com. You know, to wrap this up, uh, I guess I, what I've learned is I need to take responsibility for my actions. We all do. And, and and know and realize that we can do better. You know, looking back on an episode, we must, we have to say that this is how I'm going to make sure that doesn't happen again. And if that, if that type of episode does happen again, this is how I'm going to change the outcome. You know, if we make an honest effort to understand what happened during past episodes, then we are really moving forward in a positive way. And I believe that is critical to living a good life and being a better person. I'm living a better life, and I am a better person than I ever was, and I know that you can be too. I believe in you, and I am here for you. Any comments or any questions, or even if you just want to say, hey, you know, send me an email, um... I'm planning sometime in the near future to have my girlfriend co-host an episode uh, of Mindful Bipolar with me to talk about a, uh, a manic episode that she was a part of with me and one that I ended up in jail because of my mania and actions. And I'm very lucky to have her, that she's still with me, uh, what I put her through. But that's not happening anymore. Like Things are going so well in my life and in my relationships with my girlfriend and, like I said, with my daughters. So, you know, the struggle is real. But it can be much less of a struggle than we have known or than we believe. You have to, you have to believe in yourself. It took me years, but I finally do believe in myself. So feel free to reach out to me. 
six.steelstrings at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening. I'll be back in about a week. Take care.